Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is UXK. 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 I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo. Hello, UX Cake listeners. This episode is the second in our special mini-series called Learning UX, hosted by Leo Zhang. In this mini-series, Leo talks in person with local UX leaders about their careers and topics they're passionate about. This episode, Leo is talking with Kimberly Weissner about her career, which has spanned design, creative direction, and product strategy, and about bringing teams together to align on UX value. And here's Leo. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode two of the Learn UX UXK podcast. I'm your host, Leo Zhang, and today I'm with my friend Kim Wiesner. Kim and I met when I was doing a project for USAA, and since then, she's actually moved up to Seattle and taken a role at REI. And, you know, I'm just going to let her introduce herself from here on out. Kim? Hello. Awesome to be here. Leo, thanks for the invite. My role at REI is a principal UX for experiences. Experiences means a specific piece of our business. So if you think of like Airbnb experiences, Mm -hmm. there's a whole piece of REI that's dedicated to part of our core mission, which is getting people outside, teaching them how to set up a tent, um, teaching them about water, hydration, filtration, all of our classes and events and workshops, those are all experiences that we offer at REI. And mm-hmm. that's where my main focus is. When I talked to you about this, I asked you, what are some things that you're really interested in about UX? And what are some things you really like about what you do that we can talk about? And aside from, I know you're very interested in the community, very passionate about being part of the community, but you told me that you really like how UX and CX And the strategy and design that comes with it works in big cross-functional teams, like the ones you're in right now, the ones you were in before. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my upbringing in UX has been pretty much all internal organizations, some really, really big, mostly financial and now retail with REI. And one of the things I've learned along the way is that the power of UX is not just in what we see, so the uh, the ability to influence a customer or make something better for them, but also to teach the organization how to solve bigger problems for customers. And that, you know, UX in a digital context is very powerful, but those same principles and rules can be applied through all aspects of the business, Mm -hmm. from marketing to, you know, when IT is solving problems, having them come along with us for that product journey but also frontline customer employees. So call center employees in our case and retail employees, making sure that they all understand the value and power of what we do. And I think a lot of what we do is, you know, is empathy driven design essentially and kind of watching behaviors and understanding um, how customers are trying to get something done or use it and responding to that. And I think teaching that more, you know, in broader cross-functional teams is really important. And one of the ways you can do that is just by bringing all those people together in a room um, and exposing them to the way each other works on behalf of the customer. 
We say bringing everyone together in a room. Well, when you talk about that, do you mean workshop sense or just purely educational sessions? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So a lot of my experience is in, is in digital product development, mm-hmm. um, serving as like a product design lead. So there, you know, we often talk about the product design, working with a product owner, working with a technical lead or an IT lead. The synergy between those three groups is really important to make sure we deliver something for customers that it's like, that's excellent. But one of the, the other opportunities is even for your product manager or product owner is ensuring that beyond that awesome digital team developing a product, that you're also bringing other aspects of the business along with you, helping that product lead bring frontline employees and call center employees and people from other places into the conversation to solve problems in a, in a bigger, deeper way. That's a role that you know somebody in UX can take, but you don't necessarily have to set up the meeting or drive drive the conversation. You can, you know, mm-hmm. workshops are like a wonderful place to do that. And a lot of times to me, the point of a workshop isn't necessarily the outcome of the work, but it's just getting all those folks together in a room to hear each other's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes we're all trying to solve a problem for the customer, but we're all doing it a little bit different way. Now, I know that Aria, it's a co-op. And for some people, they may know what that means, but some of our listeners might not know what that means. And it is a very interesting model to operate, is it? Yes. And I guess one, I'd like to hear you explain to our listeners what that co-op kind of means in terms of how you're doing UX and how you're interacting with these cross-functional teams. At the co-op, we tend to focus on our customers and our members as our external, you know, our, our members are part of our customer base. So mm-hmm. if you're a co-op member and you carry a card, you are part of the co-op and you help make decisions about leadership. There's a, a piece of your voice in everything that we do and everything that we think about. So I love that about your REI is that it is very customer and member focused. Mm-hmm. Something else about, you know, it being co-op is that we tend to actually want to bring everyone together in a room yeah. and give a lot of shared opinions and collaborate together. Just like in any organization, there's still some, some siloed you know, operation that we have to overcome. And we're kind of as a company working through how do we start to shift our work so that all of these teams that are trying to service a customer, how do we all measure up and work together to work against a metric in that space that's the same and that's consistent? So again, speaking to all of us wanting to help each other and work together, we do that really, really well, but in service of what outcome? Mm -hmm. So we're looking for ways to kind of work together in that cross-functional team to drive a customer outcome that we can all see. Is there any, and I understand there's NDA stuff you can't talk about, but is there any sort of specific outcome, specific example from your work that you've been doing that you could talk about a little bit to help drive this home? Yeah. So maybe an example is this year, you know, we tend to look at our business performance in like revenue and demand, and Mm -hmm. that's very common, right? I mean, lots of, lots of organizations look at their performance in that way, but it's interesting because like at USAA, my experience there was that our most important metric at that company was a customer service metric. So Mm -hmm. our NPS score was very, very important to the company, Um, customer satisfaction, extremely important to the company. You know, a lot of times the top metrics of your company will influence even the way teams and individuals work. So at REI, we are trying to think about, we are actively thinking about this year, ways we can change the metrics by which we work so that all cross-functional teams, like all members of different teams are operating against metrics that improve the customer experience and that we're all doing that the same way. So it isn't necessarily 
like conversion is an important metric, but in service of what, you know, in service of what outcome? Because I think when we start to think about metrics at a higher level, it causes us to reach out to our partners and our peers and say, like, I'm solving this problem. I'm not quite sure I'm solving it in the right way or if it's actually solving the full breadth of the problem here. Yeah. So kind of opening up that dialogue more between you know, different teams, marketing and IT and um, call centers to say like, this is a problem where I'm uncovering in service of X, whatever that problem we're trying to solve is, how do we work together against that? Yeah. So an example might be at REI, we're always thinking about fulfillment. So how do we fulfill customer orders and create a really good experience when you come to our store and want to pick something up or when you want to order it online, have it arrive at a store, ship it to your house. There's an effort today to think about fulfillment in the context of the customer and rally all the teams that touch fulfillment from frontline employees to digital experience, to call centers, to fulfillment centers all of us working together to say, like, how do we deliver the best experience? Yeah. And anchoring it around, like, the journey of a customer versus around, you know, a metric like demand. Yeah. Or straight NPS, like you did at the other big. I know that when you and I were together at USAA, I was, I had experience doing government work before, but actually doing UX work with all the regulatory driven things that big bank like that does come with. I found that very interesting. And I want to keep on this REI thread, but can you give our viewers just a quick idea about the differences between working in a place like that, where it's very top-down driven, and this REI co-op where teams are much more, from what I'm hearing, much more cross-functional and talking to each other more, and the metrics are a bit more specific to each team? Yeah. So the experience at, at USAA that I had there is it is a it is a company, you know, built for the military. Mm-hmm. It's a bank for the military. And the structure of that company echoes, I think, that that same theme where it's a very top down culture that's not necessarily bad or good. Mm-hmm. It's just the way the business is run. Yeah. And it's very clear who is leading what effort. Decision making is super, super clear. Outcomes are very clear. And regulatory and compliance is of utmost importance. Right. So almost everything that you do at USA needs to be um, protect the customer, needs to be safe for them, needs to meet our regulatory and compliance obligations on all fronts. So checking all those boxes, utmost importance. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a very different culture and way of working for, especially for somebody in UX, than a place like REI, where we have we are also a member focused, customer focused company. I would say that we're we're a bit flatter, we're a bit less top-down driven. Decision making happens like in shared groups right. much more often right. rather than f- from one individual. So I think the opportunity for someone to influence decision through customer evidence is much stronger there. There's a little less concern about regulation and compliance and a little bit more focus on is this the right thing to do for the customer. Yeah. I think the only thing at REI that stops us from delivering like Rockstar experiences at this point is just our digital maturity. And that's something that we're working on right now. So we're kind of going through a digital transformation now to kind of catch our, catch ourselves up to where our customers' expectations are in terms of, you know, how the app functions and performs. Yeah. The experience that they expect and want from us based on the experience they have at other places like um, Amazon or Nordstrom or somewhere else, uh, even in this area. Is, is a very high bar and we are working to try to hit that bar. You brought up the maturity and that's actually what I want to ask you about next. You talked about digital transformation and 
how you're trying to create these experiences for an enterprise that at the base started at brick and mortar. And again, like I said, the core is serving customers. Can you talk about how that influences this topic of cross-functional teams and growing the UX maturity order? Yeah. So I think for us, something that's really important is that, yeah, our customer experience started with our green vests in the stores. Right. So our original operating system for UX essentially was green vests, was human. <laughs> so our mission as a digital UX team constantly is like, how do we take that that love that people feel when they come into the REI store and get this great service? Yeah. How do we translate that into digital? Um, so we're kind of working from that perspective right now where the UX team thinks a lot about the service that, that a green vest provides and how can we replicate that in UX? How can we create a really smooth handoff between someone in the store and the digital experience that a customer has? How, yeah. how do we make that more seamless? We're working through that. That's definitely a UX or customer experience or CX problem to solve. Yeah. And it's a huge opportunity for our team. We're just kind of in the, I think, beginning stages of really um, breaking through that. The green vest, they bring a certain amount of warmth and welcome once you mm-hmm. walk into the REI store. And I remember every time I see them, it's, I'm never annoyed at them. Like, oh, I, I get to talk to them. Like, they're all very friendly and warm. And you're trying to replicate that in a digital experience. I imagine that has to come with a certain set of challenges because it can't be easy to replicate something like that. Yeah. And can you talk about some of the challenges you've been facing, both getting this off the ground as far and also trying to replicate that warm feeling that you get from talking to the green vest at the store? Yeah. So I could talk about that in a couple different ways. The first is that, you know, there's a couple layers to unpack when we're thinking about customer journey and mm-hmm. how we provide a really good UX experience. The first is in the UI. So making sure that everything from the font that we use to the language that we use, yeah. to the colors that we use is consistent and really like expresses who we are as a brand and a company. So that's a journey we've been embarking on this year. We have a new um, dedicated font we've released on all of our digital products. We have refined brand and imagery to be a little tighter. And you'll start to see that roll out as time goes past. Yeah. In terms of our web experience and some of the apps we offer and some of the other services we offer, you know, we're still in a, in a place of organizing ourselves to deliver really good customer journey-based experiences there. I think we're kind of in the early days of, of doing that. Where we've had a lot of success and focus in the past is, is in our digital experience, our web experience. It is a assortment, you know, an, an assortable place where you can find all the things that we offer in store. More product is there, more color options. There's a larger breadth of product as well as like discounted products through the outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are available there. So it's our biggest retail store. I think our opportunity in that space is still to say, to observe and understand how people want to see products show up in that space. Do they want to see it by activity? Do they want to see it based on where they live or what they do? Mm-hmm. Do they want to see it more personalized? Do they want to see it based on on region? So if I live in Texas and it's winter, skiing isn't really a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing I might do if I travel to Colorado, but it's certainly not the everyday gear that I need to get outside in the winter in Texas. Yeah. So we're working through how do we replicate more of what's relevant to a customer in the digital space through a UX experience. But the challenge there for us at the moment is that a lot of those UX experiences also rely on digital um, capabilities like personalization, um, you know, a single greatly shared account login, just some digital capabilities are, are required there as a baseline. And for REI, we're in a place where 
we're still working to mature some of those digital capabilities and get them in place. Mm -hmm. So what that means for UX is you're kind of doing a dance often between here's what I can deliver now versus the beautiful vision of what I want to deliver. And you have to kind of roll out, you know, paint the picture of where you want to go. So show the vision of what a great UX experience looks like for Mm -hmm. customers, Mm -hmm. but have in your back pocket options to dial that back to where our capabilities can serve customers today so that we're not waiting two years until our capability matures to roll something out, but that we're able to update and provide enhanced experiences along the way to make every release that we're able to put out in market better for customers. And I imagine with each of these releases getting more and more close to that that big picture, the ultimate picture you want, you're getting pretty good feedback on it too, right? Definitely. Yeah. The idea of you have this grand vision and this feature that's going to serve these customers very well, but you don't want to wait years to roll it out. So you roll out what you can now. Can you talk to me about the involvement of these cross-functional teams and that? How are you as UX working with them in these releases and in the grand big picture as well? This is a place where I think um, UX has an opportunity, a leadership opportunity, and yeah. maybe even a responsibility to expose people to, to some of these problems, to really share the vastness and research that maybe they've uncovered with customers, to work as hard as they can to bring product owners along for every research session possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's this idea that like you want your C-levels or you want your leadership team to be in the room when you're doing research because it it's such a you know visceral bond of like empathy for the customer that gets established when they see it and when mm-hmm. they hear it firsthand. I think pushing for that and making that more commonplace in your organization is just a huge opportunity. Like making it easy for them to be able to come along and do that or for any team member to do that. So whether that's an IT person, a colleague in marketing, somebody maybe even in supply chain to really expose and understand um, customer problems is is really important and huge. A lot of the folks in those departments don't even know what UX is. So there may be a component of teaching or learning that comes along with that. Yeah. But being able to bring them along and show them customer pain, what that kind of looks like, and then also then show them some of the results or ideas that you have how you take that information and turn that into a thing is a mystery to a lot of a lot of folks in the organization that maybe don't necessarily sit as close to UX. And there's lots of different ways to do that, you know, recording sessions and making them available later, hosting like brown bags where people can come in with lunch and watch um, customer sessions, finding a leader that's really passionate about this topic and acting them to serve as a champion for what you do, maybe even sponsor a brown bag. So if you're able to throw you know, some kind of brown bag or event, bringing someone in to tee it up or speak to it in the beginning is sometimes a great way to expose more people to that, to that data. I'm wondering if you have any examples of how you've done that in the past, how you've been successful with building relationships with cross-functional teams about educating UX or people that could help champion UX. What advice would you have for listeners? Some things that work for you. Yeah. So some things that have worked in, for me is really first and foremost, probably finding leaders in the organization that think like you do. So looking for leaders that also share a passion for UX or, or CX, mm-hmm. um, those are great places to go because they already, they're already sort of bought in. They're already one foot, maybe even two feet in the door into the world of what you do. And something that I've had success with in that space is then doing volunteer or favor projects for those leaders. So if that leader is passionate about CX, they may want to like showcase that in some work that they're already doing. And this has been an opportunity I've had here at REI in the last year. 
our SVP for digital, um, Curtis Kopf, has asked me a few times to come in and help. How can we make this more customer-centered? Mm. How can we add the voice of customer here? And so those are places where when someone's asking for that, that's a huge opportunity for you to like get in there and maybe do something visual, do something different, maybe work out loud. So work on a wall, bring in other other folks to collaborate with you and think like who else, who else could contribute here? I mean, you still own and drive the vision of whatever you create towards deadline, but I always find that the richness of other other teams' thoughts and opinions in your work will take the work in a path that you wouldn't have expected it might go. Mm-hmm. So maybe a real tangible example of this is I helped with a large paper project on a wall this year mm-hmm. where we basically did kind of, we, t- we looked at omni-channel. So if you think about the retail store and you think about the digital store, you know, those two things actually are trying to accomplish the same goals. But in our organization, the way we, way we function today, they have different budgets and different goals and they're operating against different things. Mm-hmm. So a couple of leaders of the company came up with the idea to combine their budgetary asks and their sort of like direction for the year together. And they asked that it be centered around customer. So how do we take these things we want to do and define what is most important based on what a customer wants us to do? So that was a challenge I had in front of me. Um, we framed all of the budgetary work we actually framed in a customer journey. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get the organization to think more about the journey a customer goes on versus like a specific place we're trying to solve for. And when we looked at all of these capabilities and our budget asks for the year and all the things we wanted to work on, when we looked at those in the journey, um, started mapping those up on a big wall, we could start to see the place where we needed to concentrate more most. And that place was fulfillment. So that place was, you know, how are we enabling employees in the store to fulfill orders for customers more easily, look up inventory more easily, help that customer find what they're looking for more quickly and more easily? How do we do the same online? How do we then manage all of that from our capabilities? So if you think of a digital capability as a mobile device or even a distribution center, you know, how are we connecting those dots so that those things work together? So UX kind of exposed, like, this is a place where the customer experience feels very broken. And through the process of doing a big journey map on a wall, we were able to kind of show and look how far back into our organization we need to organize against that UX experience we want to provide on the front. So with efforts like that, I think I think two just like real tactical things that have worked well for me in the past is working big and working loud. So putting, you know, giant paper on a wall with sticky notes and tape and getting leaders involved. I mean, they can't not be involved when it's outside of their office and they're walking by it every day. So that's (laughs) something that has worked for me. Another thing that has worked for me is when you do work like that, not everyone will love hearing this, but PowerPoint is a very powerful tool in organizations because everyone can use it. So I've had a lot of success taking big paper projects like that or big wall projects or big projects where... I want others to like adopt it, use it, understand it and recreating that in PowerPoint and then sending that to folks so that now it's theirs to own. They can manipulate it. They can change it. They can do whatever they want with it. Mm -hmm. But the fact is it started from a place of being centered around customer. So it has a lot of elements of customer already built into it that then they can take and to the best of their ability start to execute against. I know for a fact there's going to be people, listeners, thinking that's a good idea. I should do that. I want to do that. <laughs> so I'd like you to talk a little bit more going and, and how UX led this. How exactly okay. did you 
lead this big initiative to get everyone on board? Because it's a daunting task, right? It's a really daunting task. It is. So I partnered with someone in research, so a, a CX researcher who could help bring the voice of the customer to life, even through quotes that were very rough and raw, Yeah, were very easy for all people to understand. And then everything else about our approach was very visual. We really put in the thought to say, let's not put a bunch of PowerPoint in front of... And when I say PowerPoint, you know, I mean, um, if you're able to create an artifact, make it a visual artifact that people can pick up and use easily. So we didn't do a lot of, of PowerPointing. We did a lot of, of visuals. So thinking about customer journeys, thinking about how we can represent different parts of the business through icons or symbols. Got it. And how can, how can we really show that like all of these different pieces of our business are important in service of this customer journey? I think keeping things just very visual, leaning back on all of our mapping skills um, and design skills and you know, making things big and beautiful and easy to understand. And the fact is, like, when you do a project like that on a wall, anyone should be able to come up to it and start to understand what it is. You could ask anyone in the company, do you understand this project? Do you yeah. understand what's going on in the wall right now? And really, those folks that aren't involved in the project can sometimes provide you with the best insider guidance because they'll ask questions like, what does that mean? I'm not understanding this. But over time, you know, this, this whole project we worked on was probably a two-week project, so yeah. it wasn't a lot of time. But inviting those folks to the wall to give feedback and doing that like visual management essentially of, of the project was really powerful. And I tend to find that that's a really just powerful way to work in general. Some companies are already doing that. At REI, we don't do that as much, but we're trying to do that more. Amidst all of this, did you, do you have any aha moments that sometimes people get like, oh, so this is what this means or this is what we're trying to do, anything like that, that just is really fun to hear when you do stuff like this from other people? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess an aha moment for me is like, that is how I'm used to working. Yeah. Just working messily in a room or having a dedicated space. You know, sometimes there's fundamentals of influencing with UX that are important, like booking a room and having a dedicated space or asking, you know, facilities, if you could put tape on this wall that Mm -hmm. nobody's put wall, or if there's something on a wall, like there has been in some cases for me at REI saying, can I take that down? Mm -hmm. Like it's been up there for a year. I'm not sure if we're really making full use of it. Can we borrow that wall for something new that we're doing? Mm -hmm. So even the visual movement and management of seeing things come to life and seeing that activity around UX can have a really awesome halo effect for all the people sitting in that area for leaders who are like, what are you doing? I want to understand more about this. Yeah. So just kind of working in that out loud way in a very visual place has been an aha moment for me only because I'm used to working that way, but not others weren't necessarily. Um, so for people to see that kind of work happening, they're like, what is this? Can I, can I get involved in this? Do you yeah. help with this? Like what is just even having them ask like, what is this is, a, is awesome because mm-hmm. it means that you're, you're influencing through work style. Yeah. So now I'd like to take a little bit of time and start wrapping up. But one of the things that I really want to strive for these series is I still want our senior listeners to get something out of it, which I fully believe they have. But my core audience, a learned UX audience, the juniors, mids, people are trying to break in. They're the ones that I, I kind of tailor my material, my meetup for. So for someone going into this sort of field, this sort of environment, this enterprise for where they're working with a lot of cross-functional teams and having to do some of this stuff. But I'm wondering if there's any just really key takeaways they should be thinking about as they move forward in their career. 
just maybe some thoughts, like key takeaways for you as a UX professional is just to always be empathetic to the people you're working with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we easily have empathy for customers and what they're trying to go through and what they're trying to achieve. I think I mentioned earlier, just applying that same lens to our leaders of our teams, leaders outside of our teams that have demanding asks, really trying to be empathetic to like, what are they actually trying to get done? Like, and how can I influence that with customer? How can I influence that with a second option? How can I like volunteer for something that kind of helps like shift or move the organization to think about something in a different way? And even if it doesn't mean we do it in a different way, it means you've influenced their thinking. Because you took that opportunity and you did something bigger with it. I have a colleague that says, go one louder. You just <laughs> took that opportunity and you're like, hey, you asked me to do something. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, like make it your opportunity to do something cool. Yeah. That you can put in your, you know, sometimes ways of working and influence is, are things that you can capture in your, your portfolio as much as final work. So I think gaining experience in doing this, whether it's a success or a failure, either way teaches you a lot about what works and what doesn't, especially for you. So I think just taking action, kind of being the spark is something that, at least for me, has resonated really well with a lot of folks, like somebody who's willing to jump up and take action, like, let's figure this out. Let's get people in a room. I'll order the lunch. I'll organize the room. I'll figure out who needs to be there. You know, doing kind of some of that work um, is really important. And then, like I said, just being empathetic and trying to speak the language of the others in the team that you need to bring along is just really, really important. I love that quote. Go one louder. Yes. That's a really good one. I can't take credit for that. That's a Beth Hayes quote. Oh, hi, Beth. You're being excited for this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that was great. Thank you so much for giving us insight of one how an REI, how co-op works at REI and how cross-functional teams, how you deal with them, some of the projects you've been doing. And at this point, I'd like to ask you if there's anything that you'd like to talk about that I didn't bring up. Just maybe a couple of points on cross-functional teams. Again, I know this topic is like, it's kind of a big one. It's a little outside of the UX profession, but it is super duper critical and paramount to getting anything done, especially in favor of a customer. So just thinking about, you know, some of the benefits or working, working more broadly outside of your um, closest team are that when you work with others that don't necessarily think the way you do, it, it makes all the ideas much stronger. You know, when you start to ask questions about customer problems and start to uncover problems, it really pushes much more into the, the CX space, I think. And that's really powerful. I think with where we live, UX lives in many organizations today, we have opportunity to push into a bigger role in a different place because so much of the world now revolves around customer and their needs, not necessarily around technology as much, not necessarily around distribution as much, but really like who is the customer, what do they need and how do they want it? So we have all the technology in the world. We have all the different ways we could get it to them that they want, but what are the like three problems that we need to solve for and how do we solve for those problems? is really, I think, where we are in terms of an economy. And for every organization, you know, working that way will make them stronger and more successful. The one other thing about cross-functional teams is even if you just start this thinking and this way of working through relationships with even one person that sits in another team, you know, having lunch with them and explaining what you do and saying like, hey, maybe there's an opportunity for us to work together, starting to break down that siloed thinking between This is how, you know, digital product works or digital works or UX work. And this is how marketing works, or this is how we do it over in 
you know, another part of the organization, just starting to like, even just have relationships and have lunch and break down those walls with people really does have an overall impact and influence. So just a couple of takeaways for me that are really important. There's so many things that I agree with here about cross-functional teams in my experience working in-house enterprise. And it really is great to hear it from someone like you that's been in these upper management leadership roles to back it up. Well, thank you again for being our guest, Kim. It meant a lot to me and I really love all the information presented. Absolutely. So happy to be here and I really look forward to learning and meeting more folks in the community. Thank you. If you enjoy the UX Cake podcast and you want to help us grow our community, I have three action items for you. First, share this episode with a friend or colleague. There is a share function in every podcast platform, including on our website. You can also share a link to an episode on your work Slack or your social media channel of choice. That gets this content to more people who find it useful. Number two, rate and review the UX Cake podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. This is the social proof that potential sponsors and partners we want to work with look to. If you don't have an iPhone, you can still rate and review in iTunes on your computer. Just search for UX Cake in the iTunes store, click on the podcast and go to the ratings and reviews button. And number three, subscribe to our email list at uxcake.co and to our Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or all of them if you like. Thanks again for listening and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a bite. UX life is hard. Eat more cake.